Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello again. Hello and welcome to No Confidence. My name is David Merlin. I'm your host. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. Today is December 10th, 2016. Great news all over. A criminal investigation by the Internal Revenue Service was just shut down. And I got news, and we're going to hear from Don in about 10 or 15 minutes, that uh, he was able to get an IRS levy lifted, a substantial one, $200,000 the IRS said somebody owed, penalties and interest, frivolous filing penalties, and they contacted Don. Uh, I think this was a gentleman in Texas who had the problem contacted Don Gron and Don was able with uh, a few letters to the IRS to get them to lift the levy outstanding and it comes strictly through confrontation you, you nail them and you tell them excuse me you got no business levying my paycheck and here are the reasons and uh, lo and behold, um, he actually got them to back off. South Carolina's on the call. Welcome. Welcome to all the uh, regulars on the call. I sure appreciate your support. Taking time out on your Saturday to join me here at No Confidence. Talk shoe number 59615. No Confidence. There's an archive of calls here, and there's also an archive of calls at 87488. American Liberties with Chris Chapman 87488 you're welcome to visit these pages download those shows listen to all the episodes a lot of the uh, 87488 calls it's me discussing mostly tax law but here on No Confidence there's quite a variety of topics covered if you go all the way back in the archives there's just there's loads of different topics discussed um here at 59615 and uh, that should tell others it should tell everybody that there's really a lot that I do that doesn't concern taxes and there are some people that pop in and out of this call like rice burner Wednesday on on 87488 American Liberties pops in and and uh, drops a nasty bomb on the chat window and then signs out uh, like the coward he is and uh, you're you're looking at my work through a keyhole you haven't listened to the calls you haven't taken the free tutorials on my YouTube channel uh, you haven't read my website and you just pop in here and drop a bomb 
uh, like I'm competing with the anti-tax movement. Well, I'm not. Uh, the, they were in my rearview mirror in 1993 and disappeared. They got so far behind me. And now the anti-tax movement is 24 years behind me. So, no, I'm not competing with them. Uh, there's, they can't teach you a thing. I've seen the quality of their, their uh, court documents. Most of them can't even brief an issue. The ones that can... Uh, aren't very good at it and their pleadings don't look very nice whereas uh, the quality of my pleadings is right up there with the Department of Justice period states attorneys general uh, you can't tell what I write from what they write there may be a little bit more of a robust or verbose explanation of the issue in my pleadings because I typically write as if a pro se litigant was going to present the argument to the court. Uh, so if, if somebody gets up before the court with paperwork I wrote and uh, their knees start to knock because they're not comfortable in court, uh, they can just say, I defer to my pleadings. Everything is in the pleadings. I briefed everything. Just look at my pleadings and you know everything I meant to say. R.P. Wake says, Dave, how do you, uh, how do you make when you give, meaning how do, you, how do I make money when I give so much away? I have invested in several of your programs and encourage others to do so. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, what I give away is the tip of the iceberg. Buy my courses. You're going to learn uh, incredibly that there's an offense you identify enough mistakes the government makes and it's grounds for a criminal complaint and then you turn around and you go on the offense you play defense until their uh, their mistakes expose them to be corrupt and then you file criminal complaints so other property is uh, pasting things from my website into the chat this comment from uh, Ron McDonald who wrote, they own it all through toxic currency. Uh, Dave, I have read, studied, and researched Section 83 in alignment with your information. I tried to disprove it, but failed. It is an excellent work. And I'll tell you, Ron McDonald is no slouch. The guy knows litigation. Uh, he, he has a deep understanding of the fundamentals of American jurisprudence and in many ways uh, is advanced in comparison to what I know. There's a few things that I specialize in and I know them very well whereas Ron McDonald has a very broad understanding um, a, an in-depth understanding of many topics and uh, is very good at litigation so he got my manual on section 83 he had it for two years and then contacts me through email after two years and says I tried to disprove this and I can't good work and that's my manual about tax code section 83 called Codebreaker the section 83 equation now in um, February and March of 2015 a man in South Dakota 
contacted me and said, I uh, just heard your name. I don't know what you do, but somebody recommended I call you. I'm getting letters from the Criminal Investigations Division of the Internal Revenue Service. I said, well, you have a bad attitude. And uh, he says, yeah, you know. Uh, I said, I can assure you that mine is worse. And uh, it's the only attitude to have. And uh, here's what I do. Here's a couple of primary arguments that the government uh, just throws a fit over. There's two enormous dynamics of the tax code they can't refute. And uh, it's, uh, it's a matter of uh, the two biggest questions ever asked about the tax code. First, does the tax code even apply to Americans? And the second question, uh, does the tax code impose a tax on the value of my labor when I sell my compensation for services, or sell my services for comp compensation? The two biggest questions you can ask about the tax code. I have an answer to both of those. And I've briefed them, and we hit the government with them, uh, every time the government turns around, especially to my students. The first argument, does it apply to Americans? Well, if you look only at statute, no. There's nothing in the tax code that says this applies to citizens of the United States, which the government says all of us are. We are citizens of the United States. I don't claim to be one. I simply say, oh, if that's the case, let's look at the law and see if it reaches citizens of the United States. That's all. And lo and behold, we find three of the four chapters that they use against the person who sells their services or receives capital gains, uh, three of the chapters, chapters 2, 21, and 23, obviously exclude citizens of the United States from the definition of citizen. You see this on the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com. There it is right there. Those three chapters exclude citizens of the United States, which leaves just chapter one. There is no definition of citizen in chapter one. And so they wrote a regulation that says citizens of the United States owe this tax. You can't do that with a regulation. The 16th Amendment says Congress can collect this tax. It has to be a statute. So when they wrote that regulation, they sought to make the tax code appear to be applicable to citizens of the United States. That's, how, that's the, the keyhole through which they pulled the tax code from D.C. into the 50 states. And I make a 16th Amendment challenge saying that since this tax under Section 1 of the Tax Code for Capital Gains and Compensation, uh, since it's imposed by regulation alone, it's a violation of the 16th Amendment that says Congress can land collect this tax. It has to be a statute. And the second question, does the tax code impose a tax on the value of my labor when I receive compensation for services actually performed. No. All property is a cost, according to the tax code. 
Both of these arguments are framed on the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com, as in we the people versus government, wevgov.com, federal income taxation page. The bottom third of the page is about Section 83. The top two-thirds of the page are about uh, the fact citizens of the United States are implicated solely through regulation. And at the top left of the website in the menu column, as you get into wevgov.com, the menu column on the left, there's a link at the top that says YouTube 2. Click on YouTube 2 and it'll take you to my free tutorials on YouTube. You'll find a video called Key to the Code. That's the video about the fact citizens of the United States are named only in regulation. And you'll find a two and a half hour tutorial about tax code section 83. Take, take those two courses and then you'll know everything there is to know about those two arguments. And uh, when in 2015 this man from South Dakota called me and uh, he was under an investigation by the IRS's Criminal Investigations Division he said what do we do? I said well I make these two arguments as you look at those arguments and if, after you take the tutorials uh, what do you think? And uh, he went through a learning process of a couple three days whatever and I said do you think you're being deprived of the provisions of section 83? Do you think that regulation does all the heavy lifting to make Americans subject to the tax code? He goes, yeah. I said, does, does that amount to a crime in your, in your assessment here? Does, uh, does it make you feel like they're, they're illegally trying to obtain your property or throw you in prison? He says, yeah. Well, does it seem like racketeering and extortion to you? Does it seem like a conspiracy against your rights? Go to the Federal Criminal Statutes page on uh, wevgov.com and you'll see a list of criminal statutes, 18 U.S.C. 240, uh, 241, conspiracy against rights. I don't owe this money, and they're trying to put me in prison for not paying it. But yeah, that's a conspiracy against rights, all right. That's a felony. So I wrote him up a joinder, an affidavit of joinder, to make him a co-complainant to the 2006 criminal complaint that I filed with 80 members of Congress. Then I wrote a lawsuit for him to file in U.S. District Court because nothing says, I don't believe I have a duty. Like filing a lawsuit against the government saying, I don't believe I have a duty. And here's the reason. Here are the reasons. And he sued in U.S. District Court with the knowledge it was going to go nowhere. I told him so. Uh, the government will find a reason to dismiss the case. And the government did. I told them they don't care how they look when they dismiss the case. You can't get a review of the IRS. And so they dismissed it, but it led to having a lawsuit against the government saying, I don't believe I have a, a duty for these reasons. And here are the docket numbers where the government's been faced with this issue before. And here's the response. You see, they just can't get to the question of does this regulation under section 1 deviate from section 1 itself because the statute doesn't name a citizen and the regulation does 
you can't do that with a regulation. It has to stay within the boundaries of the statute. Well, we're not going to talk about that. We're just a court. And so you haven't identified a controversy. Case dismissed. You can't even... In 2001, a case reached the Supreme Court. Brown and Williamson Tobacco Company versus FDA. The tobacco company said, hey, you don't have the authority under the Food and Drug Act to regulate tobacco. But you're going across the country, FDA agent, and you're citing all these stores for selling cigarettes to minors. You don't have regulatory, you don't have statutory authority to enforce the Food and Drug Act against tobacco. In fact, if you had that authority, based on what you said about tobacco in the past, you'd have to ban the sale of tobacco tomorrow as a, hazard, as, as a hazardous product under the Food and Drug Act. And the Supreme Court said, that's right, we've looked at everything. All your authority came from regulations that you wrote about tobacco. And those regulations are invalid because they have no statutory origin. Well, that's all we're trying to do with Section 1 of the Tax Code and Regulation 1.1-1. Because the statute doesn't mention anybody's citizenship, and the regulation says citizens of the United States owe this tax. Very simple argument, and you can't have it. So the man in South Dakota sued. The lawsuit was dismissed. He filed an amended complaint. I think that was dismissed, too. And we put all of that into Volume 1 and Volume 2. I got an ISBN number, which is an international serial book number. Uh, like every paperback and hardcover book you see published out there has. And we published his work, his uh, lawsuit, as a book with the 20-page criminal intent letter that he sent to the agent that was investigating him. So as I get volume one of his book, I open it and there's the 20 page letter about criminal intent on top of his lawsuit and everything that he served in one package telling the agent if you convene a grand jury find attached the lawsuit I filed that you can't deny. You escaped review again. Don't tell any grand jury that I have criminal intent because I've proven I don't have a duty to believe in in the first place and so I definitely do not believe I have a duty. So a 20 page letter about criminal intent fully briefed. Uh, there's a wonderful uh, set of decisions from the Supreme Court in summer of 015 about criminal intent and it contains uh, excerpts from those cases. So you open volume one and there's the 20 page criminal intent letter and then his lawsuit and then volume two all the evidence that was filed behind the lawsuit. So volumes one and volumes two uh, are perfect bound just like a paperback book so he doesn't have to run off a copy of it and put staples in the right places and bulldog clips around it when he wants to serve a copy on a public servant. He simply orders a copy of Volume 1 and Volume 2 and sends them to the public servant that he wants to serve with 
a paragraph or two in a cover letter. That's good work. And uh, let me get that for you here. Um, I'm going to put the uh, link in the chat. And this is... Uh, for those of you who are only on the phone, I'm going to thebookpatch.com. Thebookpatch.com. <clears throat> they have links in a menu bar that goes from left to right. I click on bookstore. I scroll down to search. And then in search keywords, in the window that pops up, I type in my last name. Merland, M-Y-R-L-A-N-D. And I click on search. And there's my page right there. You can get Volume 1 and Volume 2 of Hybertson versus United States. That's the South Dakota man's published lawsuit. We got an ISBN number on it and a criminal complaint letter to start the thing uh, so that he can order it. He doesn't have to pay 35 bucks per volume for his copy. He pays cost and uh, it's delivered to his door and then he ships it off to the public servant of his choice. And uh, here comes the link. I'm putting it in the chat here for the people that are on the computer. Paste and send right there. And uh, that's the page on thebookpatch.com with all of my publications on it. Um, I think Hybridson versus United States Volumes 1 and 2 is also on the products page on wevgov.com. And that gives you the rundown of what he filed to get a criminal complaint, a criminal investigation, 86th. So he calls me the other day and uh, says, uh, Hi Dave, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, it's been a while since we spoke. I said, yeah, I hope everything's going well. Hey, have you heard anything from Greg Flynn at the Criminal Investigations Division? He says, no, it's been months. And I asked him, I said, well, in your own words, would you state uh, honestly uh, that you believe the uh, criminal investigation has been shut down? He says, oh, yeah, we slammed the door on him. Not a word. And when he called me in March of 2015, he was getting persistent, a persistent pattern of correspondence from the Criminal Investigations Division. And we went on the offense, filed a lawsuit, filed an amended lawsuit. They all got dismissed, but he put them all in one place with a 20-page letter about criminal intent saying, even though this was dismissed, they said you don't have Article 3 standing. Article 3 standing is there has to be a bona fide controversy. Number uh, the second criteria you have to meet uh, the defendants that you sued have to be the cause of the controversy and number three you have to have a controversy that can be solved or resolved by the court well there's a criminal complaint with 80 members of Congress I think that proves that there's a controversy here I think it's racketeering and they don't deny a thing and number two the criminal investigations division is sending me letters they had a copy of the letters 
and if the court would get involved and tell us whether or not it's constitutional or within statutory scope of authority, uh, it would help resolve this matter. Well, you don't have Article Three standing. Horse feathers. So I told him they don't care how they look when they dismiss the suit, and they didn't, and they chose a ridiculous, unfounded basis for the dismissal of the lawsuit, but we stuck all that behind a criminal intent letter, got an ISBN number for Volume 1 and an ISBN number for Volume 2. Uh, I made up a cover that thebookpatch.com could put on each of these books with text on the back, text on the, uh, uh, on the cover page inside the book, an introduction to the, uh, to the lawsuit in the criminal intent letter uh, for the book, like a forward, and then you come to the criminal intent letter and the lawsuit, and in volume two is the evidence that was filed behind the lawsuit. So he has a published work that he can get copies of at cost, so it probably only costs him $8 per book. And if he gets a letter from uh, the IRS again, he'll just order a copy of that book and uh, wait until it's delivered and then send that off with a cover letter to the uh, IRS agent or representative that sent him the letter. Anyway, uh, he said in his own words, yeah, we slammed the door on him. The, the investigation is closed. So, uh, excellent work, if I do say so myself, and it's born of total offense. So go to thebookpatch.com, and in the menu bar that goes from left to right, click on Bookstore, little drop-down menu pops down, click on Search, and in the search engine that comes up, type in my name, Merland, M-Y-R-L-A-N-D and it'll take you to my products page on thebookpatch.com and you'll find uh, Hybridson versus United States volumes 1 and 2 No Confidence, Civil Liberties versus Homeland Security my book of Citizens Initiatives Public Vehicular Travel my book uh, my treatise on how the uh, Motor Vehicle Code in Washington, and likely in plenty of other states, has never been written to apply to anything other than those who use the streets as a place of business. Then take from Caesar Volumes 1 and Volumes 2. i got to get those. And Code Breaker, the Section 83 equation. All right there and very reasonably priced. Thebookpatch.com. Go to the bookstore and search for Merlin. Now, on the call, we have another uh, very bad attitude. His name is Pastor Don. That's Don Gron. Don Gron is the gentleman who uh, just got a levy released, $200,000, frivolous filing penalties and uh, back taxes, interest and, uh, uh, and the works. And he was able to, uh, through a letter campaign, uh, got that lifted off of the uh, property of a man in Texas. Don, you are unmuted. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good here. Feeling pretty good. And I think my uh, client, I think, is on a, on a call, too. Uh, uh, Amy Hutt, I think, is on the call today. Anyway, uh, but 
Yeah, I mean, he sent me this uh, communication yesterday that uh, Rebbe was released. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. You can't notice. It's on notice. And it wasn't so much a letter campaign as it was just going back on their, uh, on their levy and the other paperwork that they've sent and rebutting their paperwork and refuting it and giving it, uh, uh, to correct the record. We're just asking questions about the law to verify that uh, the levying of is okay and, uh, and, uh, and they couldn't do that <laughs> based on the law. Uh, they ended up releasing it and I think we used some other documents too, but, uh, uh, it was essentially breaking their, their their presumptions and just asking them to back up the, the fact that this is the true levy and they couldn't uh, seem to cope with this and lo and behold, here we got the surprise. But this client has been uh, in the IRS hot water for a long time. Uh, he's even gotten, I think, about 14 uh, civil penalties against him over the years and other things. And, and, and his notice of levy was actually three pages long I thought, why golly, he's also applied for bankruptcy a couple of times. And so he had a real thing when he came to me. And so we worked things out. And it looks like we have total success here. So I feel good that, that he's able to uh, uh, not have to worry about bankruptcy and be able to uh, live a life again and work and get it all he's due for his, his labors. So uh, uh, this really uh, makes me happy to know that between you and I, Dave, and, and him, we uh, sort of slayed Goliaths. I call him Goliaths. You know, G-O-L-I-R-S. Yeah. So, we, our slingshots did it. So, that's that sort of thing. Well, it's probably going to make the power company really happy that he can finally pay his light bill, huh? Yeah, I guess so. And Avid Hut 99 you're welcome to call in if we see you appear on the telephone. Um, uh, just raise your hand when you're on the phone, and uh, and we'll let you speak. If you have a couple comments you'd like to share about uh, going on the offense and how well it worked. And Don, you got that done with just one letter. Is that an accurate? St well, Don is off of the phone. Okay. He's on the computer but not on the phone. So, it can be done. And this week in particular, um, I'm very pleased to announce that Don was successful in lifting that levy. And I got the IRS Criminal Investigations Division to shut down a criminal investigation. And we waited months and months before announcing that the criminal investigation had been shut down because you never do an end, end zone dance. They'll do what they want. But they were persistently uh, harassing this guy through the mail about a criminal investigation. He went on the offense, and it's been months since he heard from him. So those are the benefits of uh, going on the offense. And you can't do that until you know what is in the tax code. In this email uh, from uh, its forwarded email from somebody I know it came to him from Robert McNeil who has sued the IRS and at the end of his uh, his lengthy email, I'll get to you in just a second Avid Hutt, I see you on the phone, okay? Um, at the end of his email in his quote conclusion end quote he says this, 
The Internal Revenue Code consists of more than 75,000 pages and is so complex that no American can possibly know what is in it, or more importantly, when they are violating a provision of it. Well, uh, talk to my students, Bob McNeil. <laughs> uh, there, is, there are a few people now that know what is in the tax code, and they learned it right here. I know what's in the tax code, but all he looks at are the comments and teachings of the anti-tax movement, and his conclusion is none of these people know what's in the tax code. <laughs> and he just hasn't met the right one yet, which is me. I know what's in it. I've explained it. Uh, I've briefed it. I've litigated it. And they can't talk about several key statutes. But think about it. He knows what everybody else out there argues. He sued over the falsification of the individual master file by the IRS that uses a bunch of different in, uh, irrelevant codes about any particular taxpayer to trick their computer, no doubt. And he sued over it. And uh, it's what you have to sue over when you don't know what's in the tax code. All you can detect is that they're falsifying the individual master file. And the best ruling you'll get is that it's just a clerical error. It's just a, a record-keeping method that they've screwed up. That's all it is. And uh, his conclusion, after looking at what everybody else teaches, is that uh, it's impossible for anybody to know what is in the tax code. <laughs> Wrong. I narrowed it down to 40 provisions. 40 provisions and I can outline all of my arguments not just the two that I that I key upon to get a criminal investigation closed that only concerns two arguments there's like 17 different arguments 40 different provisions that I base those arguments on so anyway his conclusion is none of these other people know what's in the tax code he says nobody it says, no American can possibly know what is in it. Well, he just said that about the entire tax movement. No one knows what's in it. <laughs> I've been saying that for like 20 years. Anyway, the uh, caller, Avid Hutt, is on the call. And uh, I'm going to unmute Avid Hutt. Let's see. Who is on the phone here? Avid Hutt, you are unmuted. Hey, good news about that levy, huh? Yeah, that was quite exciting and unexpected. Um, it actually came from uh, someone in the company that I work for, and they, they just sent it over. But they were trying to be, you know, uh, a friendly company colleague, I guess. But it, it was very... Yeah, you know, um, Don is somebody who can explain the history of how these guys operate without swearing. 
Because I, like I sure as hell can't. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you have a lot of, of fire, and it takes a lot of fire to start melting this, this down, so that's important. Hey, um, one, one important question before uh, uh, I get on with the uh, question about the levy. Would you say that Don and me, or maybe just Don, is he in it for the justice or is he in it for the money? Um, I, I would say that he's in it to to win it. Um, the justice part we know it's, it's very ephemeral, so we just go for it and, and just keep going until we get results. But it's not patriot for profit. No, no, not, not at all. In, in fact, I have to keep reminding him to, to, <laughs> to send me a bill or something. Uh, that's great. Now, um, you got news of the levy having been lifted from a co-worker, like in human resources or payroll? Yeah, I won't specify which, but yes. Okay. Uh, wasn't the IRS sending you a, an apology letter of 25 pages? No, they, they cut off communications about about this process a month ago when, when, we, had, when we filed a... Uh, question due process hearing uh, rebuttal. <clears throat> so they just cut off communications and they started working in the background and not speaking with me at all with the levy. Well, there must be a bunch of wimps. <laughs> that's a good description. Well, that's great news. Now, this, uh, this levy included frivolous filing penalties. Is that true? It was primarily frivolous filing penalties, and, and they, they placed the uh, notice of levy and notice of, actually the notice of lien, and, and they placed it in four different counties uh, over the last few years, so yeah, they, they've been working over time trying to, trying to uh, harass, so, you know, the, the thing is, is that when it comes down to it, uh, the knowledge that you convey about Section 83 is what grounds me, I'll put it that way. Um, it's important to have all these procedures in place and all the paperwork, but in your mind, you have to have something that says, okay, I'm standing on solid ground, and I think that helps a lot. Oh, yeah. When you're arguing statute, you got Congress right behind you. Um, now, what did you do that uh, prompted them to penalize you for frivolous filing? All that goes back to um, your favorite whooping boys' uh, work. So... <laughs> <laughs> I suspect it as much. I say. Yeah. So it was. It was. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but um, it, it was. It was not a good idea. So uh, I no longer do that, of course. But that that started a lot of that penalty process. Yeah, you know, I don't call Pete Hendrickson filers idiots. I say that they've been misled by an idiot. It is so. Yeah. E it's easy to talk a good game. Uh, once you learn a bunch of stuff about the tax code, but it's impossible for uh, the beginner to decipher that the person actually has no clue. They're basing their conclusions on a presumption that enforcement's legitimate instead of looking at a uh, statute first to decide whether or not enforcement is even legitimate in the first place. And that leads to a bunch of presumptions saying, well, I owe this money, they say, and so I must have 
assessed myself. I must be a federal public servant. I must have worn white after Labor Day. I must have registered to vote. And all these other great conclusions that don't amount to a hill of beans. And uh, you find that almost the entire movement teaches conclusions they came to by presuming first that enforcement's legitimate. I got a social security card, so I owe a duty. Well, you just mixed up chapter 21 FICA and chapter 1 tax. They're two different taxes. How can you owe two different taxes because of one chapter's social security card? So when you get right down to it, the entire set of arguments out of the anti-tax movement, they're based on the presumption that enforcement's legitimate and it leads them to conclusions somewhere in law they think justifies what happened. Oh, you got to revoke your citizenship or whatever. They come up with these remedies that uh, are based it on this. Go yeah, ahead. I agree. It, it, always you, it always keeps you on the lower ground, and I think that it's important to find the higher ground. And, and with the Section 83 understanding, it, 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 it puts you to a higher ground, and they're trying to, you know, gravel at your ankle. So, you know, you're quite right. And with the understanding that nobody else even teaches section 83 I'm all alone with I'm all I'm all alone with it and there's no excuse for it when you look at the case law that says it explains how to tax all compensation well what where what did everybody else do if they even read the code when they came to that statute it may as well be called paycheck. It's called property transfer in connection with the performance of services. Sounds like a paycheck to me, and they never even get into it. Brought it to Pete Hendrickson's. Brought it to Pete Hendrickson's attention, and he says it's gibberish. Well, you don't have that luxury. You have to decipher it. It applies, and so you can't just call it gibberish. And by calling it gibberish, he admits he can't interpret it. When in fact, when I first saw it. I said, if this applies to me, it's not being enforced. And it's true today. 24 years later. 25 years. Well, also, too, the, the, the fact that you mentioned the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, and Don pointed out very clearly that that now is law. So they have to follow the tax bill, tax bill, uh, tax bill, excuse me, the yeah. Taxpayer Bill of Rights. <laughs> and, and we press on that a lot, and, and it seems to back them off. Well, South Carolina is on the call. He contacted me a couple days ago with a Freedom of Information Act slash Taxpayers' Bill of Rights request for a clear explanation of the laws, a copy of the document that contains the clear explanation of the laws. And they said, see the IRS's frivolous argument list. <laughs> and none of my arguments are on that list. So they... They can't even supply you with the clear explanation of the laws they promised to give you in the Taxpayer's Bill of Rights. And that's true. And, and what they do also is they, they continuously send you 45-day response letters. We need another 45 days. We need another 45 days. And it's important to not to sit on those. It's important to respond to those as well. And that's another thing that Don was Right, and in, in that response, I'll bet you Don has uh, taken my advice and said, well, if you need 45 more days, if you need 90 more days to find your ass with both hands, I hope you're going to uh, delay the interest 
that was accruing to my account. That would be nice. Well, isn't that in his response letter? That's part of the, the wording, yes. Good. <clears throat> uh, yeah, if you're going to fumble around servant breath, uh, at least stop the interest. You're supposed to have those clear explanations on hand when I ask for them. Exactly. And so uh, uh, don't bother me with interest. Uh, why don't you, uh, if you want, if you want, go ahead and uh, wrap this up with a couple of comments, and then uh, I'm going to see if South Carolina has a couple comments for us. Go ahead, Avid Hut. Yeah, I think the main thing is just to uh, stay clear and, and take it step by step. Uh, and remember that uh, they're, they're the ones that are trying to prove something that is not true. And, and it, yeah, it's, it's just important to appreciate the fact that you have the ability to speak up and don't be happy. And to know what you're talking about when you do it. Yes, very important. All right. Well, that's real good news, and uh, glad to hear it. And again, for everybody on the call, you don't go out and do an end zone dance. It, it feels. No, no, no time for that. <laughs> that's right. They do what they want. The law doesn't matter. It's right in my disclaimer, and uh, it comes from a lot of experience that the law doesn't count. So there's no such thing as an end zone dance. You got to watch yourself at all times if you haven't done what the IRS says you have to do. And uh, this is great news. It's always good news when when somebody gets some relief. I'm real glad to hear it. And uh, thanks for Thank joining you. the call today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay, take care. Hey, I'm going to go to South Carolina on the call here. You are unmuted, South Carolina. South Carolina is uh, the lead plaintiff in a lawsuit that's uh, simmering in South Carolina. And uh, the government has not been forced to respond because the court got in the way saying, we're going to dismiss this before it gets started. And uh, because you didn't even file an opposition to the magistrate's recommendation for dismissal. And he filed a motion to reopen the case saying, excuse me, yes, I did file an opposition to the magistrate's recommendation. Get it together. And so open this case and look at the opposition and then tell me why it's dismissed and hasn't heard a word from it. It's been six weeks, hasn't it, South Carolina? Uh, yeah, at least, uh, at least six weeks, probably more, closer to eight. How does that make you feel? Lonely? <laughs> yeah, real lonely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was real funny. It was funny, though. Uh, it was... Uh, uh, the clerk sat on that uh, uh, that magistrate's uh, recommendation for two weeks before they mailed it out, and then they sent it, uh, and, and we had one day to respond. <laughs> so uh, uh, anyway, we, we did a timely response within uh, you know within our two week time limit there, and um, of course they they had already come back and said, well, you didn't file an opposition to the motion, so we're going to dismiss. But no, 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 no. Oh, Hold on here. here. Here's the envelope. You know, you, it's stamped two weeks after you signed this thing, so you need to talk to your clerk. But uh, anyway, so we're, uh, it's filed, and we haven't heard a word, so we're uh, you know, anticipating uh, something relatively quickly, though, I think. Yeah, they're all saying, whoa, this guy's good. No, <laughs> when you nailed him on that, uh, that deadline. Now, um, 
Yeah. Uh, they they figured you were the typical pro se litigant, and they could get away with this. And uh, so anyway, in the uh, reply to the opposition from the magistrate, or in the opposition to the magistrate's recommendation, the magistrate basically said, uh, oh, he filed an affidavit of prejudice claiming that the judge is biased and he wants a different judge. He's just looking for another judge. Basically accused him of accused him of judge shopping without using those words. And uh, in the motion to reopen the case, uh, or in the opposition, maybe, uh, South Carolina says, uh, and about, uh, first off, uh, the magistrate said that the plaintiff has pled that the judge has a bias, which he did not. He pled that the appearance of fairness is lost, that because the judge is a defendant in a criminal complaint that the plaintiff filed with the House Judiciary Committee, the appearance of fairness is lost. The magistrate is incompetent. And also, who would not shop for another judge when the judge in this case and the magistrate can be arrested by anybody in the United States for the way they dismissed the first lawsuit. See, and then there was all those cases from the citizen's arrest page on wevgov.com saying that reasonable suspicion to believe a felony has been committed constitutes grounds and permission for anybody who knows of the felony to make the arrest. So why would I not shop for another judge when my judge can be arrested at any minute for what they ha- what they did in the first instance? So I think that's a funny touch, and I think that's the reason they've taken so long to decide whether or not to dismiss the lawsuit after your motion to reopen the case. Yeah, I guess they're still trying to figure out if we're actually somebody they want to screw around with or, or go ahead and let this thing move on board and... Uh yeah, they're trying to figure out a way to say that you threatened them. Because any talk about arresting a judge, uh, their nipples are going to get hard and their, uh, their, their nether wells are going to pucker and make them sit higher and upright in their chair and uh, and they're going to look for ways to get you back for that language but it's inescapable all those cases say there's a common law right to arrest a felon so rock in a hard place and uh, all they have to do is just let the lawsuit go forward we want review of the IRS we have sued the IRS let the lawsuit go forward if it's that much of a bitch to decide whether or not the lawsuit's valid, let it go. Let's move, take another step forward, issue the summons to the plaintiff so he can serve the Internal Revenue Service uh, with a lawsuit, and uh, let's get it on. We want review of these issues. Very simple issues. Yep, agreed. That'd be the easy way out for him, I would think, at this point. But... Well, um, everybody, stay tuned. I'm going to go ahead and uh, mute you out, South Carolina. Sure appreciate your uh, presence on the call, of course. And uh, note, note everybody that 
that's a lead plaintiff in a lawsuit against the government. He's on the offense, not waiting for the other shoe to drop. Instead, he wanted to sue the United States for proof that the tax code's been written to apply to Americans and for proof that it imposes a tax on the value of labor received as compensation for services. And we know the government can't talk about either of those issues. So he's comfortable. He's on the offense. He's uh, grabbed his civic duty by the horns and he's riding it. And, and we're waiting for the, the courts to say again why he can't have the review he's requested in his lawsuit. And if they dismiss this again, he's going to amend the lawsuit and only ask for one of those three different sets of relief that he requested in the current lawsuit. And it's been so long since I looked at that lawsuit, I can't even remember uh, what the relief was for that first issue. And uh, something about, does it violate due process to keep the law a secret? Something really stupid, simple like that. Uh, so anyway, a lot of great news this week. I'm really glad to be able to bring that to everybody. Uh, it's always wonderful to get relief. It's wonderful to be on the offense. It's wonderful to make the government uh, reconsider its actions against an American. It, it's always great news, and this week we got a double dose. Uh, once again, it's December 10th, 2016. Stay tuned for more developments. Join me Wednesday evenings on American Liberties, 87488, here at TalkShoe with Chris Chapman. And uh, I look forward to the holidays this year. It's going to be a great Christmas if anything like this keeps up. And uh, it's always wonderful to, to get somebody out of the yoke of the government. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining me on this Saturday, and uh, I'll see you on the next episode. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did have sexual relations with the first time nonviolent offenders. I am sick and tired. Sit down and shut up. I say good show.